Hello, hello, hello. I am Pedro. I'm Meredith. This is Gritty Reboot. And this week, we are excited. And do you know why we're excited? Because we're covering something cool. (laughs) We actually get to watch two movies that we enjoy for a change. So uh, th- this is always a really pleasant thing. I I love both of these movies. This week we're doing Ringu and the Ring. Yeah. And honestly, the Ringu is an absolute J horror classic, and the Ring is probably one of the best Hollywood adaptations of a Japanese film ever made. Yeah. Realistically, Agreed. yeah. I mean, th- it has some issues, and and I mean, the original Ringu has some of those problems too, but. It, it does a very nice job translating what it needs to translate and adding a couple of things. There's only a few things that I'm like, mm, but for the most part, it is a very good adaptation of something that was very Japanese. I actually prefer the reboot. And that's fine. That's perfectly fine. Yeah, I prefer the reboot. Yeah, that's perfectly fine. Like I said, it's made for an American audience, so you're going to find that more palpable. Mm-hmm. You know, I got a chance to see Ringu first, so that helps out a lot. You know, that always colored my opinion on that movie. So I guess before we get into it, we should talk about our personal history with The Ring. Now, you had only seen Ringu just recently. Yeah. I had seen uh, Ringu on a video CD many, many years ago. And that is how I was able to watch the film in its, it as probably digital, like VHS resolution, like 240p. That's very, very low. Hmm. And I, I watched it and I enjoyed it and I, I was sort of creeped out by it. And I, I liked the American remake when we saw it, but that's what I want to talk about. You and I saw that together on a date. Mm-hmm. And... The thing that I remember the most vivid about it is, yes, the audience reaction was fantastic. That Yeah, that was a great movie. I I will never forget, spoiler for a movie from 2003, two, eight, (laughs) two? 2002. 2002. Spoiler for a movie to 2000, spoiler uh, to a a film from 2002. When Samara comes out of the screen, that audience lost their fucking mind. And I think, oddly enough, that's one of my critiques on the American remake is that there's a little less mystery in it, which is probably my only big negative about it. And even with that being said, like that still like shook the audience hard when she steps out of that TV. Oh, I'll remember people just screaming. I remember um, covering my eyes. Yeah, you were buried I, in yeah, like the side of my body. Yeah, yeah, you had your face pressed against me <laughs> in that moment because every because everyone stared at the screen like, what's gonna? happen yeah and i i felt like i understand what lord of, not lord of the rings george R. R. martin mm-hmm. game of thrones yeah <laughs> thank you <laughs> <laughs> i understood what the red wedding people felt like when they had read those books mm-hmm. and they could watch the tv people go like it's coming that's how i was i was like oh they don't know she's gonna pop out of that bitch and like because i couldn't look at you because you really were just like noped out like on into my side and like the rest of the audience the second she puts her hand through just a blood curdling scream like three or four seats down yeah. and like the whole audience just went nuts you know and then when she does the teleport or, or it's really a jump cut so she's not really teleport it's a jump cut she's a video ghost and <laughs> it's another just huge scream and everything like that mm-hmm. it, it really was an amazing movie for for that kind of experience i'll, I'll never forget it as long as i live it is I want to say my, my maybe my favorite audience reaction ever was that moment there. I'm trying to think of things that that lived up to it, you know, audience reaction wise. Paranormal uh, Activity was fun. Paranormal Activity, Spider Man, uh, Tobey Maguire, and Andrew Garfield coming out got a uh, an incredible reaction. Captain America yielding Milner that brought down the house. That brought down the house. Uh, I mean, really, it brought down a fucking house. 
So like those are like some of the greatest like movie like audience reactions I could ever think of because you don't really necessarily think of that. But I think that's a big part about horror movies. And we talked about how much I enjoyed that part of the grudge all those years ago. And but this is the granddaddy of of J-horror in itself, right? Yeah. This is pretty much where like the genre sort of stabilizes itself in Japan and they go down this route for a number of years. And then obviously it bleeds right into America with J-horror remake craze, which also the ring begins there, too. So it's it does the same thing on both fronts. Yeah. But we appreciate it nonetheless. I still don't speak Japanese. It is a little curious, and I let the Japanese trailers play through. Because we don't speak Japanese. Maybe our viewers do, but I mean, I don't. So, that, 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 so that's Ringu. Ringu came to us in 1998, correct? Yeah, 1998. 1998. And uh, Ringu pretty much set the world on fire in Japan. Yeah. The second it hits, we're talking about a... So, by the way, can you guess the budget of Ringu? I had it written. Oh, you had it written down. Okay, I didn't know if you had it. But it's a $1.5 million flick. Yep. And it ends up grossing $20 million, or just around that. 31.2 worldwide. Yeah, it grosses $20 million in Japan. And mind, but Japan's a very small country. Mm-hmm. That's big, big numbers over there. Because I read that all the time. They're like, the Avengers made $28 million there. Like, ooh. Yeah. But th- that's just the kind of numbers you can pull in with that population. So, like, that's just an interesting thing to sort of note. And like I said, a movie like that to bring in $30 million worldwide is amazing. I'm sure probably over time it's brought in way more on rentals and streaming rights and all that kind of stuff. Like, it's a true classic. At the time, it was... Japan's highest grossing horror film in Japanese history. I can believe it. Yeah. I can absolutely believe it. Yeah, I had that fact ready. Okay, yeah. yeah no, I mean, it, I, it was like all over the... Yeah, because that's... I mean, this you're talking about in, in 1998, the movie comes out. In 1999, there is a Korean remake. And 2002, mid-2002, by the way, there is an American remake already out. So you're talking about a span of less than four years. There are two remakes... And I think Ringu 2 is already coming out by the time the American movie is out. So, I mean, you're talking about just a huge, huge hit film. Yeah. All right. You ready to kick this sucker off? Let's do it. We start off with two teenagers. They're together, um, kind of jawing at each other. Jawing at each other. Yeah. Well, it's just it's just two girls just hanging out. Yeah. Much. And I, I like this scene. By the way, I, I am going to do this a little bit, talk about kind of the two versions a bit at the same time, just a little bit Mm -hmm. because these two scenes are very similar. Mm -hmm. I think they play out very well. One's just Japanese. The other one's American. Yeah. They're very similar. Yeah. That's why, you know, I mean, we're obviously we'll break down for film, but there's little things like that are just worth mentioning right now. These two scenes accomplish the same thing. And I I think they're both incredibly well done. And I like the way both every set of actor plays this. I feel like there's a real relationship between the girls. And this is how we find out about the curse too. Yeah. So this is, and normally an exposition dump can be a little painful. Mm-hmm. But this is what people do. They tell stories among each other. And I want to say, though, I do find it strange that she pulls this, I guess, this gag where she das- has seen the tape, but then like shrugs it off, but really has seen it. Yeah. And they do that gag in both versions, even when I think that's something that may have worked a little bit better in the Japanese version. I think they maybe should have changed that a little bit. In the mm-hmm. But it, it is one of those things. I think it's a masterclass, really, of tension. In this sequence, I mean, everything about the first act is an absolute master. This is maybe one of the best first acts in a horror movie ever. And this is the start of it right here. The scene lays out everything perfectly. And then we begin to understand the level of the curse when she heads downstairs. You find out that, you know, you die in a week or seven days. Mm-hmm. 
one of the girls mentioned she saw the tape and tonight would be a week. So they tease each other about it. Yeah. Some gentle teasing, like I said, eventually she shrugs it off until they get a phone call. And then the phone rings. A very ominous thing. I want to remind people, like in the 90s, you really did have to go to another room to answer a phone sometimes. Yeah. Like she might have had her own phone line, but that was the phone line for the house that was being called. Her name is Masami and she goes to answer the phone. The TV comes on suddenly. Yeah, yeah. She's standing in the kitchen and she hears the TV come on and she inspects the room and nothing's there. Just a baseball game's on the TV. So she really turns it off, and, and it's just more perplexed than anything else. Mm-hmm. She hears something, and boom. Yeah, there's she like, gets got. There's like the TV noise, but it's right behind her. Yeah. I like the way this actress plays it, mm-hmm. because it's a very different vibe than the American scare, but I think they're both incredibly strong, because what she does is she has that feeling when you just know something's behind you. Yeah. Like the way she slowly moves and realizes it. I, I, I love the way her face, it's why they chose that for the freeze frame. Because it really does work so well. It flashes white, and then we're, we get title card. Yeah. And we're, introdu- we're into the movie. We have our first kill. After the credits roll, we get two high school students that are being interviewed about the deadly tape. Yeah. The interviewer reads about young teenage deaths <coughs> in the newspaper, so that's why he's there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I like this scene because like these two kids are just bouncing lore and ideas and how playground logic and gossip spreads about things like yeah. this. And that I like. That's something that is a bit lost to time with the internet. Mm-hmm. But the, I mean, the, the prospect still stands. Like they're just talking about urban legends. We do have the same mother-son dynamic in this movie as we do in The Ring. Yeah, r- really everything about our core story is the same in the characters. The mother's a reporter. Mm. Yeah, that's the same. We go to the mother and child. They're getting ready for a funeral. They are getting ready to head to uh, Tamako's funeral because Reiko is her aunt. Yeah. And she's going to take her son, Yochi. Yoshi. Yochi. 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 She's going to take her son, Yochi, over to the funeral. And once again, this does play out very similarly in the American version, but obviously Japanese and American funeral standards are very different. Yeah. They go to the funeral and the the mom kind of takes off. Reiko. Reiko. Yeah. Raiko takes off. She leaves her kid just like kind of around and he ro- ends up roaming the house a little bit and he goes upstairs. The movie is not about like an overt scare, which is interesting because the American version is always trying to give you like creepy yeah. vibes in every, in every shot. And this movie doesn't always do that. But when he goes up the stairs, there's a really great shot of him through the hallway where uh, Yochi looks so small. As the, like this big frame, like sort of engulfs him as he slowly walks across it to head to uh, Tamako's room where he's drawn to the TV instantly. There is a difference in people being connected to the spirit world between like American culture and Japanese culture. And it's sort of more understood that he has a bit of a connection with the other side. Yeah. Does he have the shinin? Yeah, basically is what it is. Like in America, you have to write a book to explain it. But in, in Japanese culture, like it's just sort of a given. Yeah. I'm sure there's things like that in American culture I just can't think of at the moment. But I think that's a really good example. Raiko comes to find him and tells him to go downstairs. She goes outside and there's some students out there and they're kind of talking about all the deaths that have been happening. Yeah, they have a bit more informed gossip than what we got earlier. Yeah, because their friends are dying. Yeah, because they're, well, I mean, because they obviously would have had to have talked about it before, right? Mm -hmm. They're like, dude, 
She watched the tape a week ago and they're both fucking dead. Yeah. Like, I mean, you, you would have that conversation and I enjoy that. That's how this scene is written. Like all these teenagers got together and went like, guys, something fucked up happened. Yeah. And they say that all their hearts just simply stopped. Yeah. So that's, they know something's up. Yeah. So that she does indeed find that out that not only did Tomiko die, but the boy she was seeing was dead. And another couple that was also with them has also expired. And, and, and they don't say where, but they also died that night. Yeah. So we, we do find out a lot of information from these kids. But like I said, it's delivered in a really interesting way to where like, you know, like they have a crazy theory. And what I like about Rayoko's character, and oddly enough, it character it carries over the next, next version is she's not dismissive of this supernatural idea. Like she doesn't believe it, but she's not dismissive of it. Yeah. You know, because she knows like, well, that's where real legends come from, right? You know? Like eventually someone thought something was haunted. They had a real reason to it. Obviously she's in for a lot more than she bargained for, but I, I do like the way the scene is played. Yeah. I like, agree. like just her being like an investigative reporter. She doesn't dismiss it at all because I mean, if that's the real conversation they want to have after their friends are dead, probably a reason. The way you get information in this movie is pretty natural. I think so. I think it's a really well-written script. Yeah. It's pretty tight. 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 Reiko goes back to, Tomoko's house to see if there are any clues about her death. Yes. And this is another scene. Where we get a bit more exposition and then we get one of the movie's more famous scares. Yeah. Obviously delivered in this sequence here. Obviously you, you have to sort of compare the two. I think most people would obviously prefer the way the American one does. It, and I think I do too. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a better jump scare and Amber Tamblin's head falling forward for that scare. It's fantastic. But um, th- this is still a-, a pretty chilling moment. It's also done in the Korean version. Mm-hmm. It's also done in the Korean version. The scene plays out uh, the same way. Like, I-, I saw her face. She was dead right in here. Yeah. It's just awful. I love the American w- the version for that, though. Yeah. She ends up going and finding some film out of her bedroom, and she gets it developed. And notices that all the kids' faces are distorted. Yeah, yeah. It's a today. It's a real simple warp effect on on Photoshop, but it would have been a big deal in 1998. So yeah, they all have distorted faces, and this immediately grabs a lot more of her attention, and she has to follow the trail of where the hell they were. Mm-hmm. And uh, these are uh, camps. I forget where they where they were. Do you, did you write that down? No. It's a very idyllic uh, place out there in Japan. There's very few spots out there where you're going to have that kind of nature and stuff like that. Yeah, I thought maybe I had it in my trivia, but no. No, it's okay. She goes to the cabin where the kids were. Raika goes to talk to the manager of the cabin to see if he recognizes the kids and spots a tape. Yeah, instantly she's drawn towards towards it. Like mm-hmm. she can just see that like everything is a regular VHS with its sleeve. And here's just one random tape just hanging out by itself. Unlabeled. Yeah, unlabeled. She's like, that's got to be the weird one. But of course, she grabs it and heads over to the room. Books herself a room. Yep. And she watches the tape, of course, because you're curious. And she's yeah, a I think it, anybody would watch the tape. Yeah, yeah. I, I'd watch the tape in that situation. Yeah, we'd all be dead. Yeah, no, I mean, seriously, like if I found out my niece had died from a strange circumstance and it was because they said a tape was haunted, I was like, well, let's see the fucking tape. <laughs> I have a curse on it, old. I'd have a whole new problem. Mm-hmm. So I only seven days to solve it. Yeah, and that's it. So, and I, I, I like the Japanese. Ta- I like all the tapes. I do. I feel like I did, like I said, some of the things that I wish I could combine them all for the most part, but each tape carries out what it should. They're creepy. They are short enough, but still memorable. 
And they do provide plot details for later in the movie, little clues and hints, which is key, obviously, to the plot of all the movies. As that being said, like, it's amazing that, that really the tapes could be so well done in all three versions of this movie. Yeah, absolutely. I, I still like the American version a little bit more. I think it's a little bit grittier. And, but the point you want is it to be a little creepy. And it does that, so. Yeah, yeah. Every version of them is unsettling, so it does the job. Yeah. She gets. She watches the tape, and immediately the phone gets rings. It's a weird phone call. It's a phone call. Yeah. And this is different in the American version. And it sounds like whale sounds. Yeah, yeah. She just. You just get. A, you get a phone call. Like a howl. Yeah. You don't. Yeah. A, a distant howl. This is what it sounds. It sounds like whale sounds to yeah. me. That's what I wrote down. She ends up taking that tape and scurrying on out of there. Yeah, because there's a jump scare there, right? Doesn't she like go back to the TV and like in the background she sees Sadako? Yeah. Oh, a woman a woman in white. Because, you know, the, the movie is incredibly conservative with Sadako. Because mm-hmm. you really don't see her till the very end of the film. Yeah. Yeah, you see her once in the flashback, obscured here, and that's it. Suspension of disbelief. Yeah. That's all I can say. Yeah. It's the same as, you know, like when we watch The Thing, the old version. Yeah. Where you don't see the, the up close the monster yeah. alien until until the very end, and even then you don't get that close. Mm-hmm. Suspension of disbelief. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I certainly agree. Yeah, Hiroyuki Sonata shows up in the movie. That guy has been in a lot of stuff. I think he's been in Walking Dead. Like he's been in a ton of shit. Oh, okay. Yeah, he's a big character actor. Oh, okay. I, I, I thought I recognized him, but, you know, mm-hmm. I wasn't 100% certain. I was like, has he been in stuff? And I, I never, I didn't actually Google his name, but I didn't get time to go down the yeah. Japanese cast. Yeah, I was like, oh, I didn't recognize that guy. Oh, I'm glad you did. Yeah. He shows up in the movie and Raiko tells him about the phone call. And he is, he plays Raiko's ex-husband. They were for, formerly married. Yes, yes, yes. And he is a bit of um, a paranormal investigator. Or spiritual. Yeah, he's a little spiritual. Once again, this goes completely unexplained in the movie, so you're just sort of like left to be like, okay, I guess you can do that in Japan, and you don't have to have a scene to explain it, right? Mm-hmm. She tells him about the phone call and what happens when you take your picture. So she takes her picture, or has him take a pic- her picture, and it's distorted. Yeah. He takes a Polaroid, and it develops instantly, and her face is messed up. Mm-hmm. So Then... This is so irresponsible to me. I just don't know why you would let him watch the tape, but he ends up watching the tape. Well, she doesn't believe 100% at that point. Like, she's fairly certain that something is going on, but she's not 100% in at yeah. that moment in time. That's, but she's still hesitant, you know? Yeah, I don't know. She's still a little hesitant, but yeah, I can understand her not being all in on thinking, like, I'm cursed. This is, I'm going to die in seven days. I can understand her having some trepidation about that. Then they both basically watch the film frame by frame, going through everything. Who is the woman? They try to decipher the writings in the movie, in the, in the clip. There's yeah. like Japanese writings and they're all wiggly and eventually wooey-woo. Yeah. At some point it does form, I think, eruption. Does it? Yeah, it does form the word eruption because they say that. So. Oh, okay. And that's a reference to the, the volcano. Hmm. Very good. The movie Joe versus the Volcano. That's what they were talking about. No, they're talking about the volcano with uh, Sadako's mother, whose name escapes me. Okay. We'll get there. We'll get there. Raiko and her ex-husband, and his name is Ryuji, go to the library to read old newspaper articles. So this is, you get it in the modern version as uh, 
Naomi Watts on the computer doing research on the internet. In this version, they have to go to a library where you have news articles. But I, I do want to mention, though, it is very early internet. And I want to mention it here because we'll probably forget about it in the second movie. Did you notice she's not on the internet? Yeah. She's actually on like on her hard drive. Someone just put the HTML file yeah. for her to look up and they didn't actually bother to put it on a website. So you can clearly see in the address bar, it's just C, program files. <laughs> I, I enjoyed that last one. I was like, ah, they, they didn't think anybody would notice that. Obviously, time was not kind to them on that. Yeah, you noticed. Mm -hmm. uh, Raiko takes her kid, Yoishi. Yoishi. Takes her kid, Yoishi, to see her grandpa or his grandpa. And then, unfortunately, the kid ends up watching the tape. Yeah, yeah, this is... You have a death curse, so it's very difficult to take the stakes up on that. Yeah. And the movie does a really nice job by, at some point, the child is always going to watch the tape. In the American version, he just does. <laughs> In this one, Tamako mm -hmm. told him to watch the tape. And I think in the next scene, they talk about how Tamako could have turned evil because of what happened. Yeah. Or it could have been, or they don't know who Sadako is, Sadako is yet, but they, you know, something else could have happened. But that, that's the explanation in this version of why he watched it. Mm -hmm. So now they have an extra ticking clock. I still think it's really irresponsible for her to leave that shit out. Because she has a genuine reaction, like she knows that some bad shit's going to happen. Yeah. Because her son watched it. Yeah. So, so she's just showing everybody, man. Sadako's like, whoa. Yeah, I know. She's Thank like, you, lady. It'll be a banner month here in yeah. the well. <laughs> Raiko and Ryuji hop on a ferry and head to the island where they catch a cab. They go see this older gentleman, and Raiko demands to talk to the woman from the tape. She asks, also asks about her daughter, and this guy's not having any of it. Yeah, he, he really won't, won't say anything about it. Through their research, they're able to find out that she did have a daughter. Yeah. But they, they, they don't understand the importance of Sadako yet. They're, they're still absolutely concerned about the mother because she used to do predictions. She was like a psychic, basically. Yeah. That's how she became famous because she correctly predicted when the volcano was going to erupt. And mm -hmm. she saved a bunch of people by doing that. Mm -hmm. And so that's why she initially rose to fame. And then she was taken in for, I guess, for research. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Ryuki goes to talk to the old man on the beach. Both Ryuki and Raiko get flashbacks about the woman from the tape having certain powers. They have like this confrontation there because he believes he's, he did something to her and Sadako. So he, you know, gets a little aggressive with him. When he grabs him, it launches him into the flashback. And I like that Raiko is just sucked into the flashback by proximity. Yeah. She's just like, whoa. And all of a sudden she's in black and white. I have to mention, by the way, that in the ring virus, everybody has 70s haircuts. Oh, really? <laughs> the flashback, it's hilarious. <laughs> it's, I, I saw it, and like, there's people like wearing 70s clothes and shit. <laughs> I was like, oh, this is missing from the other one. Yeah. <laughs> I just wanted to watch how much I, I like that. But no, th this this is a, a really effective scene. I think she's, no, it's in the, uh, the Korean one. They're, they're doing dice. They're holding up symbols, and she's telling them what they are, and she can't see them, right? Mm -hmm. And everyone's like, ooh, ah, except for one guy who's like, you're a fraud. And everybody gets riled up, yeah. they get nasty, they get upset, and Ryako's stepping in to see closer, and all of a sudden the guy who was the doubter, the skeptic, he steps closer while pointing still at her, and all of a sudden he just <laughs> falls over, croaks dead. He's got the scared, terrified look on his face. Mm -hmm. 
And they're like, you killed her. And they're like, no. Immediately, the doctor points out, it was her. And we see Sadako for the first time. Yeah. Her face completely covered with her hair. She sort of sways off the stage and into the back. And she runs out and she grabs Ryako by the arm, where we established this trope. Yeah. She leaves the burn mark on her arm with the destroyed fingernails on her hand. We still never see her face. Yeah, nor should we. I think it's cooler when you don't see the face. I agree. Uh, Ryuku and Ryuji and Ryuku talk about Sadako's wrath. They go to take a boat out where the weather is a little crazy. A guy tells him he he won't take them out for he just won't. It, it, it's too dangerous. It's at night. It, the weather's a little off, so he he just won't take them. Out. Yeah, yeah. But the old man, he's willing to. Yeah, it's like he sort of has to put these things right. Yeah. Raiko calls home, and her son's being a little weird. Yeah, yeah, that's all. It's just, it, yeah. it's par for the course in this franchise. Creepy, creepy yeah. kid syndrome. Yeah. So Ryuko and Ryuji are at the cabin again. And they're, no, they're not at the cabin. They're, they're at the house, and they're breaking up the floorboards. And this is where they find their well. They basically go to where Sadako and her mother would have lived. Yeah. And that's where they, they are, and they're searching for where they think she could be at. Yeah. And that's when they discover that she was killed by the, the scientist or the doctor. Yeah, and she was hit over the head and thrown into the well. Yeah, yeah. They end up opening the well, and Ryuji goes into the well. It's not, I don't think it's as deep as the American version. Yeah, so this isn't directly stated in the American version of like what they're going to do yeah. with Samara when they get there. But in this one, they're going to exercise the ghost mm-hmm. by, by getting her out of the well and burying her properly so she can have peace. At least that's, that's the idea. So they're like bailing buckets of water out of there so they yeah. can find her. And so he's down there getting the buckets. And, and Raiko is like, working her ass <laughs> off up there. He's like, come on, like, get she, with it. She like passes out from exhaustion. And then he's like, okay, you got to go in there. She's like, I don't want to go in there. And he fucking smacks her. Yeah, he he's does. Like, like, shit, man. He's like, you get your fucking ass in there. He's like, you can't lift anything. Get in there and get down there with a the goddamn ghost. <laughs> I was like, holy shit. And he's not that way in the Korean version at all. And the American version, he's a different character. Wow. So I just wanted to mention, this is like maybe the strangest thing the movie does is he's like, she's like, I don't want to be in there. I'm so tired. Shut up. <laughs> maybe it's a cultural I, thing. I, I, I guess, I, I guess know. so. But yeah, nobody seems to think it's weird. Like I watched a couple of reviews and nobody said anything about it. Yeah. I actually, I read a ton of your reviews and nobody mentions it. Yeah. So there you go. It's just kind of one of those things, I guess, that happens in this flick. Yeah. It, it's just a painstaking process with those buckets. She goes into the well regardless. Uh-huh. Yeah. She pokes around in the water and comes up with a bunch of hair, which is gross. I think it's better. It's done better in this movie, the re- Sadako's re- body reveal. Yeah. Than it is in the American version. Because I like the idea that she's fumbling around and she comes up and she's got like hair, just black hair. Yeah. Like she just through her stumbles hands. upon it. Yeah. yeah. And it's, it's scarier that way that, that like there's something to it. And then immediately the tension fades. Yeah. The fear fades away because Ryoko embraces her. Yeah. She hugs it. Yeah. She, she grabs it and she wipes the, the hair off the face and the skin that just falls right falls off, off the skull. It's a bit of grotesqueness, but it doesn't face her. She still brings the child 
in close for one embrace. Yeah. You know, because they're there to exercise that spirit. And so he lets her know, and, and he's screaming down there the whole time. It's 710. Yeah, oh, my you God. Made it. You made it. Yeah. Woohoo. We beat the curse. And they go home. Yeah. I mean, it's a celebratory mood. They they put Sadako, they put Sadako to rest. Sada is at peace, we believe. And they go home. The soundtrack in this movie is pretty good. Yeah, it is. It's a good score. Yeah, it's a good score. Really good score. Okay, so it builds this tension pretty well. Ryu, Ryuji is at his desk and hears screeching. And his TV comes on. Then he sees Sadako. Yeah, so obviously we get one of the most famous scenes in, in horror history. Now, I do want to mention about the structure of the films is this is the first time we see Sadako, her full body. Mm-hmm. This is the first time we see her as she is walking towards him on the tape. We have no concept at all that she is going to step through that TV. Now, the other versions hint at it. This one does not at all. And I, I think that's one of the things that I think, <laughs> you know, because I, I, I'll never forget that moment because I was like, okay, what's she going to do? And she pops out like, yeah, that would be fucking terrifying. Yeah. Yeah, that would be absolutely fucking terrifying. And, you know, he's trying to get away, but it's completely futile. Like, he just looks right up at her, which is the one thing you can't do. And her hair parts just enough for him to see the ring. Yeah. Her eye. No matter how hard he tries. Yeah. And he that, still gets got. That look of fear on his face, frozen forever. Yeah. She's got another victim. The tape works again. But it kind of ends with an open question. Well, I was wondering. She I believe she knows how to get rid of the curse. Boom. Yeah, it's over. Both movies, all three movies, have an incredibly clunky scene where our reporter protagonist character comes back and is like, huh, what did I do that made me not so cursed? Yeah. What could it have been? <laughs> and this is cheesy in the American and the original film. And like, so they kind of glance around and, and she just like realized, oh my God, I made a copy. That's what's different. And it's a clunky scene. And the way the Korean film does it is with no dialogue. She finds him dead and she comes back and then she just looks down at the table and she just grabs the copy and slowly holds it up. And I was like, well, that's a lot more subtle and better. And that's all she ever does, you know, cause, and even Naomi Watts, I mean, she's acting her ass off. It's still cheesy there. Yeah. But all, all these movies sort of have that. And so at that moment, she figures out what she's got to do. So she knows how to save her son and they're on their way to go visit her father-in-law mm-hmm. with, uh, with a VCR. Where we assume that he will be killed by the tape. Yeah. It's a nasty curse. You just think you're having bad dreams for a week, right? Yeah, absolutely. All right. Do you have anything else you want to say about this movie? I, did I really like it? I, I still think it's incredibly creepy. It's a tight script like we talked about. And so it's a nice ghost story, really well told. This movie is a bit more about the mystery of the tape and the girl and why everything is the way it is. And you don't get answers for everything. But I, I like the way the mystery angle plays out in this one more than the other one. Because the movie doesn't meander. And some of the changes they make in the other movie make it just kind of hang around for a little bit. Mm-hmm. And, you know, because th- that other movie's a little bit bloated two hours. This one's a much tighter uh, 100 minutes. I think this movie is more of a thriller than it is a horror movie. Agreed, 100%. Yeah, I, that, I mean, that's why you couldn't necessarily guess, like, the ghost thing is real. Yeah. <laughs> I think that The Grudge is definitely more scarier. Yeah, this feels like a supernatural story from uh, a a mystery writer, you know? And that's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that at all. It just, it gives you two different flavors on this movie. There's certainly reasons why you should watch both movies. Yeah. 
It's a rare time recommended. Solid 8 out of 10. All right, here's some trivia for you guys. The effect of Sadako's coming out of the well was accomplished with one simple special effect. Ri Inu, who is a student of Kabuki theater, which uses exaggerated motion and jerking movements to emphasize emotion, was heavily involved in the development of Sadako's character. Inu was filmed walking backwards and the film was run in reverse, the end result in Sadako's walking towards an unnatural motion. A lot of people gave Verbinski a lot of credit for that, but that was actually in the same way in the original film. Mm-hmm. She had her walk backwards. And it looks great. Yeah. It really does. Like it looks like her hair is like a living creature. It's like stepping up onto the onto the well for her to get out. I love that. Yeah. I love the way it looks. And we did talk about that earlier with the way the tape extends just a little bit every time you watch it. The character Shizuko Yamamura, the mother of Sadako, is based on a real person. Chimsko Mifun was born in 1886 in Kumamoto Prefecture and was rumored to have a gift of foresight. After a demonstration in 1910, she was proclaimed a charlatan and committed suicide a year later in ingesting poison. Holy shit. Yeah. I got dark. Yeah. You know, I like the morbid stuff. Yeah. Yeah. No, I certainly understand that. That's an interesting fact. I like that one. Yeah. A lot of hard names to pronounce. If I got anything wrong, I do apologize. Sadako's psychic abilities are known as Nensha. It's a form of spirit photography that enables someone to burn images from their mind onto a solid surface just by thinking about them, which is why anyone close to her can suffer nightmares and bad visions. This is how she burned her images onto the videotape. At the time of Ringu's release, South Korea had a ban on Japanese cultural imports, so it couldn't be released. So the Japanese production company teamed up with a Korean production company to make Korean version of the film. That market remake is known as the Ring Virus 1999. So there we go. Yeah. Yeah, good job. That's why I was listening a year later. I mean, I knew it had to be quick. They turned that sucker around fast. Yeah. All right. So yeah, that was Ring Goo. I enjoyed it immensely. And, you know, it's it's nice to catch a, a horror classic. to talk about this and we're letting the trailer play a little bit because i think the marketing for this movie was absolutely brilliant yeah what what would happen was is the initial marketing push to the movie at about five months out what they would do is they would just show the tape yeah so if you'd watch g4 and and g4 is (laughs) maybe not that's it they might not have been around that but if you'd watch like spike or amc or any general cable channel at around like that time of night, around you know that late block hour where advertising was cheap, they would just show the tape, and it would end. And as it would end, before you die, you see the ring, and then a phone call sound would be heard. Mm-hmm. And that's all it was. Now it was obviously a a thirty second version of the tape, but that was an incredibly effective ad campaign. They added that feature to the DVD. Yeah, they did. They did. Mm-hmm. I was yeah, you know, I was trying to find my old DVD, but I couldn't do it. Yeah, for that reason, because I had to look it up because there's the one scene with Chris Cooper in there, and that's it. Pretty cool. 
like I said, this movie made a lot of money <laughs> when it came out. This was an incredible hit, and this is what gave us that J-horror invasion that happened in the early O's. Hell yeah. It really is just a big cultural impact on a movie. It changes the way horror movies are made after this. Mm-hmm. It launched Gore Verbinski, the director, into the stratosphere with the Pirates movies in two years. Yeah. So, I mean, like I said, th- this movie was very important. Definitely for him. I, I like his style in this movie. I like that he shot it with a, a kind of a green filter. Yeah, and that was another interesting thing. Over time, they have washed away that filter yeah, they more have. and more. Because we, we, we were it. watching the DVD, and I was like, oh, let's watch the HD copy on Netflix. Because I, I, I guess I never upgraded to Blu-ray. And when I put that on, I was amazed that the movie was just desaturated and they removed a ton of the green tint. Yeah, which I like the green tint. Yeah, that's very 90s. It's how the movie looked. And that's how I told you. Like, that DVD is exactly probably how it looked in the theater. Yeah. And what we have today is just a cleaned up version because they could. <laughs> they could say they remastered it. looks remastered, but it looks a little weird. But sometimes that happens. And for talking about it being a hit... Uh, this is a $48 million budgeted film, makes a $250 million mm-hmm. massive hit. Yeah, I'm glad that you had those numbers because I didn't write them down this time. We start off just like we did in the last one. Got Very two similar. Teenage way. girls, they're talking. Here, one, they jive at each other, get Kate, a phone call. Yeah, Katie and Becca, they have the same bit really as before. Mm-hmm. They, they get a little bit more playful, I think, in this version. Calls her a hoe at one point for. Messing around with some guys with your boyfriend. So it's it's not important, but it plays out the same way. So we have a couple differences that I'll point out. As the scene plays out, the phone call comes in, they go downstairs. The TV has static on it, and that's neither here nor there. But what is interesting is she goes to turn the TV off, and they show you clearly that the remote is in a place where nobody could have gotten to it. No one's touched yeah. it. No one has molested it. It's been there unharmed. So the movie lets you know a lot earlier on that something supernatural has occurred because yeah. she watches the TV, turns it off, and she sees like a ghost figure run behind her, mm-hmm. right? From the TV. So we, we know that there is something. And when she goes upstairs, like in the original film, that could have been a killer, right? Yeah. That could have been anybody. Mm-hmm. In this film, it's not ambiguous at all. She goes upstairs and delivers what I think is a fantastic scare. Yeah. We hear the sounds from the tape, which we don't know what that is yet screeching yeah and then we see a little bit of water coming underneath the door which is a new motif in this movie which is surprising it's not in the original but just in this one and she opens the door and it's an immediate jump cut to the well and then her face transforming to the dead face and we see the ring Mm -hmm. and then the title card comes up yeah it's pretty cool yeah this is masterfully done on both sides and uh, i like this version a lot too we get the same mother and child dynamic rachel Uh, played by naomi watts the kid has a little bit more to do in this movie. A little bit more. Yeah. A little bit more. He He's drawing. He has, he has, he has to drive some more of the plot. He has to have the spiritual connection without them really explaining it in this movie. And it seems a little stranger. They have the whole scene where it, there's a teacher and she's all trying to tell Naomi Watts <laughs> that I have something horrifying to tell you. Will yeah. you stop talking for one moment? Yeah. I have a horrifying sting. And because that's the whole point of the scene. She's like, did you say that she died three nights ago? Yeah. Because Aiden drew these last week. <laughs> like it, it's it's not quite that direct, but it, it is it is a, a little much. Yeah, it really I, is. This movie is really lucky to have Naomi Watts. Yeah. Because she can nail a lot of these scenes and make them seem believable. She just blows him off, her off and she's just like, whatever. Well, I think my favorite part of the scene is she's just like, you have to talk to your son about this. Like, he knows where I'm at. 
bitch, he's nine. Like, no, he doesn't know. You have to talk to him that his cousin just died. Yeah. You have to have a real conversation about this. That's not how this works, and you know that. <laughs> it, it, it's just a, a wild sort of thing. We have Rachel and Aiden. They go to the funeral of the teenage girl, which is Katie. Rachel goes to try to help. There's teens talking outside. They're talking about the curse and their friends dying. Aiden goes upstairs. He's yeah, fascinated with the TV. It isn't? still plays out the same way. Except he does see the video ghost. Yeah. And I guess he might have seen it in, in the other version too, but we don't. But we clearly see him see something dart across there. Rachel goes and develops some films she found the, in the, I, I do want to talk about one thing before we leave this. The DVD had some deleted scenes. And there's a couple things that were close to the Japanese movie. In this movie, they just talk a little bit, Rachel and her sister, about Katie's death. And it's there that she goes, I saw her face. But they actually shot it just like the Japanese film. Yeah. They shot it where she came back to get the film. So they added a reshoot where they made the movie a little tighter. So this movie was longer. It's two-hour flick was longer at one point, a little more bloated. So that's so something interesting I found on the DVD. Well, let me talk about Chris Cooper. Okay. So Chris Cooper plays a child molester, child murderer in this movie. And you might wonder, like, hey, I would have remembered seeing Oscar-winning actor Chris Cooper in it. Well, he's in one scene. At the very end of the movie, when he sees the ring, he puts his coffee cup down. And he puts a coffee cup on a newspaper where the ring de- develops. On there is a picture of Chris Cooper as the child murderer. And that's the only remaining bit of that storyline that's in the film. Wow. They cut out an entire storyline and nobody ever notices because the movie's already kind of long and it was a big hit movie and nobody talks about it. There's one scene on the DVD where he's following Rachel to her apartment and asking her about some, it doesn't really, I mean, it's kind of about the tape, but it might not be because there's no context. It's literally 35 seconds of this shot. That's it. And it's just the one shot. So it's just kind of a mystery. I've always been really curious about it, but Verbinski's never talked about it. Cooper's never talked about it. And Aaron Kruger has never talked about it. Uh, Aaron Kruger wrote the film uh, okay. and is a hack for the most part. Oh, okay. Yeah. There's a lot of bad scripts I don't, I don't like from Aaron Kruger. So it is what it is. The, the script is okay, but he had a great script to work off of. Rachel developed some f- photos. She develops the pics and the teenagers' faces are distorted. Yeah, and it's the same thing as the last one where she goes there. There is a little bit of color that I wanted to point out. When she goes down to this same cabin place and they meet the owner, mm-hmm. this guy is trying to do like bad magic. And I really love that character trait about him. His whole like, is this your card? And it, it's not. I know that's stupid, but it's nice that he has a little character trait. And I did want to mention, canonically, he is another victim. He watches the tape as well. In the deleted scenes, when they come back, they I guess they search the grounds. And for some reason, there's this really long deleted scene where they go through there and they find him dead in the canoe trying to get away from Samara, which I liked. I liked the idea. He was like, all right, I'm going on the water. It didn't work. Yeah. <laughs> you can't, can I? Once it comes for you, you're not going to outrun it. <laughs> That's what we learned from that. But he does die. But he's a fun little character. We have Rachel talk to the, the manager, yeah. like you said. She takes the tape off the shelf while the manager isn't looking. And of course she watches the tape. Yeah. She goes to the same, the same room that they did and she watches it there and we we get the tape. And like I said, it's creepy. I I think it's a little more creepy film school than like creepy haunted girl in the well tape, but it it still does the job. I just think it's a little much. They used a little too much money to make it. That's what I'm saying. 
Yeah, I like it, but no, I, I mean it's still fine. It's just like when there's like there's a shot of like the eighty people like in the water, like Moving with the maggots around. and stuff like yeah. that. And by the way, there is a correlation to that that you know you know how they see the stuff from the tape. Mm-hmm. They see the maggots too, and they cut that. Hmm. That's when they look for the the guy, the the hotel manager. Yeah, when they look for him, they see that, and I was like, oh, they cut one of them. So. She gets a call, and instead of whale noises, we get a girl's voice. It says seven, seven days. days. Yeah. She goes home and calls her ex-lover, Noah, and tells him all about it. Her ex-lover. I like the way you put that. But yes, she does. And she, at that point, I like when he comes over, she's a little spooked. You know, he's kind of having some fun with it. Which I enjoy. Like she makes him. Well, she doesn't make him. She asks him to watch the tape. There's a really cool scene where she's outside and she's looking at everybody else watching TV across the way. And it's just a lot of wide shots. It's Verbinski style showing here. It's a, just a nice slower scene to give the viewer just a moment to breathe. Yeah. Because we are moving fairly quickly for the most part. You know, he comes out and he's still mocking the tape. Like it was nice, I guess. You know, maybe it's scarier at night. You know, <laughs> like he's not spooked at all. He does get a phone call. Yeah. But they send it to the answer machine. In this movie, Rachel actually kind of believes in the tape a little bit more. Yeah, I would say so. She's a little more. The Japanese. Because when he's leaving, she's like, would you say I'm easily gullible? Would you say that I'm easily rattled? And, you know, he's like, no, no, of course not. You know, and she's a tough reporter, which we learn. Yeah. By by the way, it's like, so like we never get to hear the message, right? She just goes and deletes it. Yeah. Which is a real shame because I was hoping there's a version of Samara just going out there, dude. Do I, do I, do I talk? What's that? The beep? Do I, do seven days? Shit. Like I just, that's all I wanted was her just to be confused by, am I, are you a real person? Hello? Is this, where am I? Am I, am I trapped on this tape now? Nice. Is that tape cursed? Ooh. Oh, you didn't think about that. Yeah. Nobody can see your spirit fingers. <laughs> you can see them. They're for you. They're not for the audience. That was a gift for you. This is a audio. An audio podcast. She goes into work the next day and makes a copy of the tape. Yeah, she does. She goes and she makes a copy as, as she studies it. Yeah, she could, takes the tape and goes to know it. And they break down the scenes. Oh, well, by the way, we missed that scene with her weird boss. Remember that? Oh, yeah. He's like, you're fucking fired. Like, no, I'm not. I got a huge story. And like, that's all it is. I was like, why was this scene here? I just wanted to mention her boss was incredibly strange. Yeah. It's one, one of the odd little bit of this movie. Nice little Aaron Kruger flavor. But yes, they, they go back to his place and then they they make up a bunch of shit about how VHS works, which I find it. You, okay. He's like, <laughs> first off, they talk about the control track, right? Mm-hmm. You can have a time code and that's going to be printed on each tape individually. So you can't transfer a time code error to another one, but you can jam sync time code. So it is possible, but you're not going to be able to do that on a standard VCR. You're speaking Greek. Well, that, that's what I'm saying. Is like they, they just make up a bunch of general video stuff right here. And my favorite is like they're looking at the tape going frame by frame. And he's got the, the VCR open. And he's just got his thumb on the rotor wheel. And he's like, hold on. Let me see if I can pull a little more image out of it. Like, motherfucker, what are you doing? <laughs> and then she goes over there. No, no, let me do it. Like, you clearly have no expertise in this fantasy land videotape science that he has. And they fight over it. Yeah, they do. And they he gets hurt on the rotor wheel, which spins at a mile an hour. <laughs> He's like, oh, God, that would have spun at 100. I cut my thumb off. I just It's a very odd little scene. Like, I know they wanted to make it seem creepier, 
but it, it, this didn't do a very good job. This character is a downgrade from the other version of him mm-hmm. in the Japanese yeah. and the Korean film. He's he's also he's nowhere near Naomi Watts' league. Yeah, the kid is, but not him. Like he like there's a scene later on where he gets upset and he has to smash everything, and that's how they find out where the well is. And like her dejection at realizing she's going to die is amazing. And he's just trying to sell anger, and he can't even do that. Wow. Yeah. What are you going to do? That's why he's the fourth lead in Flyboys. And that's why you haven't seen him in anything. Yeah. So Flyboys, I've seen that. So we get a different scene in that Rachel goes and sees Katie's friend in the mental institution. This is fun. I like this. It's a good addition. She's, she's not much help at all. Yeah, she's so spooked from the whole incident. Yeah. First of all, she's obviously in the loony bin, but she was in the other one as well, right? Mm-hmm. They just We just don't go there. Yeah. We, just we, we forgot to mention, by the way, you do see the other two deaths. This movie just talks about the two kids dead in the car. We never see them. Yeah. So we we basically swap those out for this one. And I think this is a good swap. And she can't see the TV, so they have like something blocking her. So she gets all the way there. And then Rachel starts asking her for questions and trying to get information out of her. And she's just being paranormally aloof, I guess would be the way yeah. to put it. And she just grabs her hand at some point and puts out four fingers. Four days. Or five days. I forget how, how long she had. And then she goes to a place... Uh, at the, that you pointed out could be the news studio where she goes and tries to get more out of the. Having done some work in news, that looks exactly like what those old tape edit bays would have looked like. E- even in my day, when I got there, those things are being phased out. Mm-hmm. But that's generally what they would have looked like in 2002 or 2001 when they shot this. But I like this because she's a detective. Yeah. She's out to find the fucking mystery. Yeah, yeah. So th- there's there's no you, you can't pull anything from the tracking. Uh what's what's on the VHS tape and the image stripe is what's on the image stripe. There's no nothing else that's there. Also, there would never ever be a print button. Yeah, there's a lighthouse. That's Yeah, and eventually she has to they go back to this tracking gag from earlier and they pull out basically like a clear picture of a lighthouse. Yeah. I suppose like the tape could have like some general supernatural shenanigans going on. I mean, she does pull a fly out of it, but which is the which is the scare here? When she finds the lighthouse, she has like an error with the tape, and then like she gets to the part where the fly walks across the screen, and she pauses it, but the fly doesn't stop its wings; yeah. it moves. Yeah, and she's able to pull it out of the tape, which hints to us for the very first time that something can come through mm-hmm. that world, which the other movie does not do, and it introduces that concept. Now, granted, most people aren't going to catch on to it, but some will. Some obviously probably did. Yeah, and she gets a bloody nose. So yeah. there's another visual representation of the curse making its debut. The butt. The butt. We get we get a lot of scenes where Katie is doing a bunch of research. She's trying to find out more about the the curse and the lighthouse and trying to get to where she can find it. Noah she grabs he, a book, The Lighthouses of America. Yeah. Old school research. And my always question is, does the book have every lighthouse in America? How many lighthouses are in America? There's a lot. Are there real? How many can there be? Because my mom is into lighthouses. Oh, is she? That's That was my question yeah. when I saw this book. I was like, well, how many lighthouses are there in America? We used to buy my mom a new lighthouse every Christmas. And she had this whole cabinet full of lighthouses. So there's like tons of them. Well, I had, I had no idea. Mm-hmm. I had no idea. Now, now I know. The more you know. Well, Noah's at the gas station. He's 
looking at his image in the camera and he notices his his image is distorted. So he starts freaking out. You're going to die. Yeah. And then Was that, that not weird... the weirdest thing ever? Yeah. Like, you're going to die from cancer. <laughs> like, what? What? Who the fuck talks that way? Yeah. This movie has some strange things that happen. That in it. was weird. Yeah. It, that was such a strange character. And then my favorite part is she looks up at the camera where he's waving his hand in front of his face. just like. Oh, well, <laughs> Just, yeah, whatever, you know, I don't give a shit. He's going to die. We're all going to die. We're back with Rachel and she's at the house. And this is kind of cool. She start, she's on the phone and she's talking to who, who, who knows and who cares? Her sister. Her sister. She's talking to her sister. Yeah. Who cares? I care. Oh, whatever. She starts coughing up. Okay, there is a string. Yeah, and she's like, it's pull, it's like a taut. Yeah. So, oh, 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 pulling it right out of her mouth. And my favorite part is, well, she's on the phone because it's her sister. And, and she's like, is this about Katie? Is this about Katie? The whole time she has to say, go, name it once. like, oh, oh, yeah. pulling this thing out of her mouth. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty great. I love it. Then she picks the phone back up when she pulls out this giant strand of hair with like a, like a, medical suction cup thing right mm-hmm. on it and she grabs the phone and there's water coming out of the phone yeah and then she goes upstairs mm-hmm. and she sees samara in a basically a big pool of water yeah and sitting in a chair facing the tv and she goes touches she goes and almost touches her but she's in a flashback basically yeah and this is where we get a little bit more information about samara and when they're out of it, she grabs her arm. So it's the same as the original movie where you have a scene where she grabs her arm and she leaves an imprint. Yeah, yeah, she it does the same bit, same gagger. Mm-hmm. Just no no flashback with a, with a information dump about her. And then she wakes up. She's been dreaming the whole time. So it's just another bad nightmare. So we do have a little bit more different stuff in this section. But she still has the mark. She so it, was, it wasn't a dream. It was a vision, technically. Yeah. Well, she does wake up because she goes downstairs. Yeah, cause isn't the part where Aiden's watched the tape yet? Or is that later? No, I think that's, uh, that's coming up. Okay. Yeah. She wakes up into her horror. Her son has watched the tape. Yeah. And then Noah calls her and he's like, I believe you. Yeah, I think I'm fucked. I, I, I like this because she runs down and she ejects the tape and throws it under the couch in a yeah. fear, anger, and fear. And she's like, why would you watch the tape? And he's like, oh, <laughs> which is, I'm okay with that logic by a kid. Like, oh, nothing else to do. What <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, who gives a shit, right? <laughs> you know, there's, I don't, there's no PlayStation here. What do I care? So, <laughs> and that's okay. But she goes and she picks up the phone. And like, the only one is hysterical. She's hysterical. <laughs> she can barely say anything. <laughs> and he's delivering all this information that we need. Like, I believe you. I can't see my face. And, he's, <laughs> and she's like, he watched the tape. Who? Like, motherfucker, who you think watched the tape? <laughs> they have to play the old pronoun game. And you're like, our son! Which is a twist for some reason, right? Uh-huh. I don't really know why it is. I, it's just a strange thing to me that there is this little twist that he's the son. Yeah. It's hinted at, I mean, pretty hard. If you didn't think he was the son, something's wrong with you. Sure, sure. But you don't really know. It's Like I said, it's an odd thing to keep sort of hidden. I digress. It's not that important at the end of the day. There's a moment with Noah and his son, and then Noah and Rachel head out for Anna Morgan's Origins. Yes, yes, yes. Anna Morgan's Origins, my least favorite X-Men movie. (laughs) (laughs) Rachel realizes Anna Morgan had a daughter. 
and that there was a bunch of brutal horse deaths. Yeah. So we have her going to the town. They split up. He's going. Yeah. Noah's going to look for records and evidence of Anna Morgan. At the while, mental facility. Yeah. At, at the hospital she was at while she goes to the island. Mm-hmm. She's hitting the, hitting the ground like a reporter. She's talking to everybody. And she finds out a few things. There's a, by the way, there's an extra scene here, too, in the deleted scenes. She goes to like a, the fish cannery, and everyone's rude to her there. Huh. Yeah. <laughs> she eventually works her way over to the, to the house from the ring. The house from the tape. Yeah, but we have one of the most brutal deaths I've ever seen. And she goes oh, yeah, she's I, on the ferry. Yeah. And she sees a horse and she goes up to it and starts trying to talk to it and be all nice and pet it and stuff. And the horse is starting to freak out. Yeah. It's completely just loses its mind. Mm-hmm. It unleashes itself from where it's tied up and it starts kicking at the, the trailer that it's in and it gets out and it runs at full fucking speed. Yeah. All around yeah. this ferry. Yeah. And I'll be honest, having to watch this again in, in HD on 105 inches worth of 4K projector. I mean, it looks like a real horse. Yeah. Into the boat and yeah. it flips over and hits the boat and just falls into the water. Yeah. And then you get all the people looking at the ferry, at the water, at the other end of the ferry. Yeah. Everyone races to the other side and as they see the horse struggling. And that's CG, but I mean, it still looks solid. Yeah. And all you see is just blood. Yeah. That's the same image from the tape. Yeah. And we see the image overlaid there. And the girl whose horse it was is just screaming. We get a scene where Noah breaks into the records room at the mental facility. He gets a little tip from a, one of the guards. He pulls a strange con where he goes yeah. up there to find that out. Yeah. I know. I've been up there. A nice try there downstairs. And it's a nice comedic cut to him breaking in downstairs. Rachel ends up finding the house. She meets a man at the house who assumes she's there because of the horses. And this guy is Brian fucking Cox. Yeah, this movie is also incredibly lucky to have Brian Cox in it. Mm-hmm. Because this is a, a really thankless sort of role that he gives a whole lot to. Because that look on his face when she asks about something on the tape. And he's like, fuck. Yeah. yeah I mean, he has a look on his face like, it had been a while. Like, maybe he had thought that it was over. That he was never going to have to hear about it again. And that look on his face of just dejection. When she asked me about it, like, God damn it. And it's a reporter. It's spreading. Yeah, he gets weird and he basically tells her to leave. Yeah. He's got a lot of electronics he has together. Yeah. A lot of them. Rachel has Aiden's drawings and she's looking at his drawings and she notices that the house and the drawings are similar to the house that she's at. And she calls her son and asks about the picture. Who's in pure creepy he's, mode. God, he's so stupid. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> He's so stupid. It's like, are you there, Rachel? The horses keep her up at night. Can you just give me a straight answer? She goes to see the island doc and asks about the girl. And the doc says that they adopted Samara and she was a weird girl to begin with. This scene is a pure information dump. Yeah. And it is okay because it's between two incredibly well-played actors here. Anna thought she was getting visions because of Samara and Rachel is basically saying the same thing. That's Dr. Grasnick. That's played by Jane Alexander. I think it's a two-time Oscar nominee. And like the way she plays the whole, I don't want to say it, but things have been better since that girl's been away. Yeah. The, her having to say something horrible, because she knows what happened to the girl, but it also made things better. 
Like she would never be down with killing a patient, but she knows that girl was pure, unadulterated evil, mm-hmm. you know, and she, she knew that. So I, I like the way this scene is played and you get a lot of information from it as well. Rachel goes back to the Morgan house mm-hmm. and this is where we get another brutal scene. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. I love it. Brian Cox, man. So meanwhile, back at the, at the other facility, at another medical facility, correct? He is trying to track down the VHS tape of Samara. And so they can see what is going on with her, basically. Mm-hmm. And they have a fun little game where they get down there and they discover the tape is missing. And it's been checked out by Richard Morgan, I think is his name. Yeah. And at the very same moment, we cut back to the house where <laughs> Naomi Watts finds that tape. Yeah. And she pushes it in the VCR and she starts playing. And this is the first time we, we really get to see a live Samara. Mm-hmm. And we see a little bit of her. We don't see her whole face, but we see a little bit of her face. And she's being interviewed by a doctor. Mm-hmm. Mr. Morgan, meanwhile, is watching her from behind as she's watching the tape. And it's very important here. And I think it's something that gets lost is Samara eventually says more and more evil things as the tape continues. Mm-hmm. Most of that at that point is when... She isn't really watching anymore because Brian Cox is behind her. Mm-hmm. Like a lot of the stuff when she, I don't want to hurt people. You don't want to hurt people, do you? But I do. She doesn't see that. I really do. <laughs> she, she doesn't know that. And that's a key bit of information that's missing for how she chooses to wrap up this movie. Yeah. But I wanted to mention it right here. That does occur. She just doesn't see it. He ends up smacking her in the head and takes the TV upstairs. She follows bitching about it the whole time. And he's got a bunch of cords wrapped around his neck. He doesn't have a bunch of cords. He has like his stereo system. He's got he's got everything he could possibly. It's like he's about to he's he's about to have a church's concert. No, I mean inside of that bathroom. When he's in the hallway, he just has like. Well, I'm talking about the bathroom. A cord. Yeah, I'm talking about the bathroom. Inside that bathroom, he's got all that stuff set up in there. Like he is totally he is completely overkilling killing himself. Yeah, there's water everywhere, and he electrocutes himself. Yeah, he, he drops right in and has a bloody electrocution somehow. Mm-hmm. And she is absolutely terrified beyond belief. And then Noah just shows up. Yep. He just teleports her. They go out to the barn and they find where Samara's was kept. They go upstairs and they notice that something's behind the wallpaper and they peel it back to reveal a tree. The same tree at Shelter Mountain where Rachel watched the tape. Okay. Can, can we have a real moment here? Was that set up not cozy? Yeah. Right? Wasn't that nice? I mean, she didn't know she had a TV, a little, a little bed, some toys. It wasn't so bad, right? It wasn't that bad. But I don't know what still, she's complaining about. Keeping her in the barn with the animals. <laughs> it was surprisingly not like, like hellish. I guess was w- when I saw it. I mean, obviously they did it for the imagery, mm-hmm. you know, and the tree and everything like that, which does look very cool. But it, yeah, they see all that and it does it inspire them to go all the way back. They make the they whole. try to make her look innocent. Yeah, yeah, I think that's a part of it as well. Yeah. Noah and Rachel head to the cabin, and after some carefully sculpted marbles show her the way, they break up the floor and reveal the well. Yeah. So, like I said, they, they I talked about this a little bit earlier. He has a really awkward anger that gives us him breaking everything so we can see that. And they, they have the marbles there, and I like that. They rip off the floor, and you see what would happen if you had a well near the house. You'd have a ton of mildew. Mm-hmm. Just You'd never be able to get rid of that mold. They both look into the well, and a bunch of bugs come swarming out. And Rachel gets knocked into the well. Well, you forget to mention that at one point, uh, Sadako, oh, wrong one. Samara turns into Final Destination. Yeah. And all of a sudden, these nails start coming out of the floorboards and water is coming out from everywhere. And there's this Rube Goldberg device just so the TV can knock 
li- can literally knock her into the well. Yeah. All little thing. It's kind of whatever, but it's just a little strange. They had to invent a reason for her to go into the well in this one, which I just, it's whatever. While in the well, she notices a fingernail on the side of the well. And she believes that that's probably Samara's. Yeah, she begins to piece it together what could have, whoever was in the well was alive. And then you get a flashback of Anna Morgan killing Samara. By Which they changed a, from this one. They put a bag over her head. Instead of knocking her over the head and putting her in the well, they put a bag over her head. Yeah, they, they do try to choke her. And that's one of the images on the tape. She thought she was dead, so. Even though she only suffocated her for like 10 seconds. I know. Hits her in the head with a rock, tosses her over. But Samara was still alive. Mm-hmm. And then this is where Rachel finds the corpse of Samara in the well. Yeah, everything about this scene is just a little clunkier than the Japanese version, which was much smoother. And even the Korean version as well. It, like I said, had to invent a reason for her to go in the well. The The flashback is is similar, so that that's fine. Um, you know, I guess it's the best way a mother could choke someone out and go, I did this for you, or I only wanted you, and push her in the well. It's whatever. But, and even the way she finds Samara, it just, it, it's a little cheesy. Like she just kind of floats up. Mm-hmm. In, in perfect condition and then fades away. The effect looks really cheesy. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of whatever. I was shouting down that she made it past her time. Yeah. yeah. I, I actually, I do like his action as well. Like he's running to try to get like some more rope to try to pull her out. Cause they didn't have that problem in the other movie. And like, he forgets to disconnect the fire hose. Yeah. So he runs and he just tugs it back down and he looks to see the sunset. He's like, no, that's <laughs> like you fucking idiot. But I liked it because that's a realistic thing. You'd be in such a rush, you'd forget something natural like that. Yeah. And so I, I enjoyed that. I did. But the day is saved. Huzzah! Huzzah. Huzzah. Or was it? Will we find out more about this in one of the later requels? Who knows? We get an image of uh, the kid, like, sleeping on the floor yeah. like a corpse. So, so whoever let who was watching this kid just like, do you want to put him in a bed or a sleeping bag or anything? Nah, just let him sleep on the, yeah. on the ground. His face off on the rug. They put him in bed. N- next morning, Aiden asks what happened as Rachel's sleeping with him. Don't forget one thing. Just for the extra heartbreak, he awakens in the car and he sees just one thing. His parents holding hands one more time. Yeah. I just wanted to mention that. So yes, the morning, next morning he wakes up and probably this is a very good addition. Yeah. Because the scene is exactly like what you expect of the falling action of a horror movie. They're talking about how the curse broke down. She's like, don't worry. I took her out of the dark place and she's fine. And the way that kid sits up and looks at her and says, you helped her. You weren't supposed to help her. Yeah. <laughs> and like Naomi Watts looking at him like, no, no, it's, it's fine. Like trying to. To convince herself at that moment, because the moment she stops talking when his nose bleeds, mm-hmm. she grabs his arm and peels it back and she sees the handprint. Yeah. And she realizes she didn't do shit. <laughs> she only saved herself. Mm-hmm. And she immediately starts running to the phone. And at that moment at Noah's house, it begins. Yeah. The TV turns on with static. Yep. Turns it off and it's the well. Yeah, it turns back on. Samara starts coming out of the well and yeah, coming I mean, right towards them. I've done very well in this one. Uh, the effect looks fantastic. Got a great reaction out of the theater, like I said. It's a little bit bigger here. He falls down, knocks over more stuff, cuts up his feet while trying to get away, but he's still killed all the same. Meanwhile, Rachel is calling, calling, calling. Th- that is what's different. She's in like a, a rush to get over there for no particular reason. She gets over there and she just slowly comes up the stairs while still calling, turns off the phone, turns around and delivers a blood curdling scream. Then she walks out of there. One of the movie's stranger scenes, this 
a horrible thing happened. And she just walks out of there and she sees Noah's girlfriend going to go up there and she doesn't say anything. No. She just lets her go up and discover his horribly mangled corpse. Yeah. I found that very odd. I did too. It was a weird decision. I don't know. You just could have cut that. You could have cut right to her in the car just crying or cutting back to the house. Go to your room now. Nobody would have said anything. Why it's there, I have no idea. It doesn't offer closure. It's just a strange thing. She goes, like you said, she goes home and she yells at Noah yeah. to get, uh, not Noah, uh, her son to get in the yeah, it, room. And I love the look on the kid's face. Like, oh, shit. Yeah. <laughs> just, uh, he, there's no more creepy kid. He just runs to his room immediately. She wants to know why was her and why wasn't her. It's the same cheesy scene. And she realizes she made a copy. Yeah. So this movie's a little bit more overt because once she realizes that, the next scene is them back at the newspaper and they're making another copy. copy and it ends with him. What happens to the person we show it to? And the tape runs back. Like we're the person they showed it to, which I, I like that ending. There's a cut ending by the way, where it's just a long tracking shot through a, a blockbuster. And like, eventually you just zero on a shelf and right in the middle of the shelf, just the tape. And I was like, well, actually, yeah, probably an employee would watch it. Right. What the fuck is this? Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's see what's on it. Yeah, well, yeah, that's how VHS worked. It's a surprise. You wouldn't know. Did you want to say anything else about the the ring? This is a, like I said, it's an incredible, incredible remake. It really is. It's the best way you could have adapted this probably to an American version. You know, cause it's, I mean, honestly, a lot of the other movies that we've seen, you know, just haven't been able to do it. You know, last week we were lucky to watch the grudge done by the same director. So it had a lot of that same feel and flavor. And this was not, not necessarily the same flavor, but the story was done very well and it was converted over to American sensibilities perfectly. Yeah. And it's a great film. It's classic. So, I mean, they're interchangeable. I'd give this one a seven, just a little bit lower, but they're, they're great classic horror movies. So you like the original? I do prefer the original film. Yes. You're going to prefer the original in everything. Well, it's the first one I saw, so it's always going to be that way. Mm-hmm. The first one you saw is the American remake. So you prefer that one. I just think it's a little bit better of a movie. I think to me, it's better horror. I think to me, the movie's plot gets a little lost in the middle with them doing the research. The movie just kind of meanders around a little bit in the second act. It's just not as sharp as the other movie was. It adding bloat, while well, gives the characters a little more shade, slows the movie down. The movie could have used 15 minutes cut out. I thought the original was a little boring. Mm, okay. Yeah. That's fair. Racist. <laughs> No, it's um, I mean, no, it's it's a fair opinion, you know. Not that it, I didn't it, it like is a it. slower paced film. I can understand. I can understand why it was such an important movie, mm-hmm. but it's a little boring. It's got a good mystery, but that's it. That's you, I mean, you know the mystery when you come in. For yeah. I mean, it's not the same, but it's similar. Yeah, it's horses, volcanoes. Who cares? Here's some trivia for you: the tree with fiery red leaves featured in the movie is a Japanese maple. The fruit of this tree is known as samara. Hmm. Yeah. The red Japanese maple was artificial, but built out of steel tubing and plaster with painted silk leaves. While filming in Washington State, the tree was erected three times, only to have it knocked down by 100 mile an hour wind gusts. And then it was moved to L.A. and erected for the fourth time, only to be blown down again by 60 mile per hour winds. Wow, that is... Uh, unlucky. Yeah, yeah, it was unlucky as it gets, but sometimes how things work on a film set. Until Stephen King's It in 2017, this movie was the highest grossing horror remake in history with a total wild, worldwide gross of $249 million. Like I said, $250 million. Yeah. The Moesco Island 
Lighthouse is a fictional name for a real lighthouse located in Newport, Oregon, built in 1873. The real lighthouse is named Yakina Head Lighthouse and is still currently an active and aid to navigation. It's reputed to be haunted by the ghost of a past keeper. It makes sense. Any building that old's always said to be haunted. The role of Rachel was first offered to Jennifer Connelly, which would have been awesome. But she did Dark Waters. They turned. Oh, we, I tell you, that's something right there. I guarantee you, she fired her fucking agent. Yeah. Or he's like, I turned down some stupid Japanese horror movie they remake they wanted you to do, and she was like, that was the ring. That was new. God, you're fucking fired. The next J horror remake that comes in here, I'm doing it. And she got Dark Water. Yeah. She turned it down and then was offered, it was then offered to Jennifer Love Hewitt, which would have been weird. Awful. Then it was offered to Gwyneth Paltrow. That could have worked. Then Kate Beckinsale. That could have worked too. And finally Naomi Watts. Yeah, because Naomi Watts was just coming off Mulholland Drive at that point. Yeah. And while it was a critically acclaimed movie, you know, with the, what do you want to bring in? The third lead, a tank girl to be in your movie? Come on. So I can understand why she wouldn't have been first choice. Brian Cox was the only actor considered to play the role of Richard Morgan. He turned down a part in Ghost Ship to film this movie. Good call. Right? Yeah, good call. Although I have a soft spot for Ghost Ship. Yeah, I mean, I like that movie too, but it was, yeah, he went with a $250 million movie. That was a good decision. A very good decision. Dave or Davi? Davia Chase. Davia Chase, okay. Took the role of Samara She after, was on Big Love, so I got to hear her say her name once. After losing the role of... Sarah Altman in Panic Room to Kirsten Stewart. Yeah, well, they're pretty different in age, I think. Hmm. Yeah, I think they're pretty different. Yeah, Kirsten Stewart probably would have been like 14 or 15, I think. Uh, maybe 13. Maybe Kirsten Stewart. Yeah, but I mean, um, Davia Chase would have been eight or nine in this, maybe 10. Samara's not very old. This is the first collaboration between deck director Gore Verbinski and composer Hans Zimmer. Ever since, Zimmer has composed the music of every Verbinski-directed film except for A Cure for Wellness. He was only credited as a music producer in Pirates of the Caribbean, Curse of the Black Pearl. He did actually compose the main themes of the film, though. And okay. then the last, the last fact is, is about Roger Ebert. Oh, okay. You're probably going to go through that. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I am going to go through that. Yeah. yeah well, spoiler. Oh, my God. At this point, people know. <laughs> It's the gag we do. All right, you ready for reviews? Yeah, you're you're. Are you getting a one star of Ringu? Yep, I got a one star Ringu. The movie Ringu got four point oh user review, ninety eight percent on Rotten Tomatoes, and a seven point two out of ten on IMDb. And then here is a one star review. Whoever finds the ring or Ringu scary obviously has never seen a horror film before. The average made for TV thriller that runs on the Lifetime Channel is more suspenseful than this. I love horror films and I scare easily, but there's just nothing to this. I thought perhaps I saw an edited DVD version, but friends who are fans swear that what I saw is the director's cut. Sorry, but there's just nothing even remotely scary, suspenseful, creepy, or atmospheric about this film. The cinematography and editing are amateur and the music and sound effects are straight out of the Charles Band, Full Moon, cheap, Cheapy circa 1989. Maybe the American remake is better, but I doubt it since the basic story is not only dopey, but has been done before with better results. Video drone in shock. Don't believe the hype <laughs> like I did and spend a lot of time hunting this down. If you think that Poltergeist is the scariest film ever, then perhaps this is for you. If you have actually seen a good horror film because before, like Carnival of Souls, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, 
Frailty, Silence of the Lambs, Halloween, Exorcist, Reanimator, The Evil Dead series, or Dagon? Dagon? I don't know. It's Stuart Gordon. I know what it is. I've seen it. Mm. They don't waste your time or money on this lightweight. Well, that was something all right. Where, where to start? <laughs> uh, yeah, no, he, he, listen, I can understand just not enjoying Japanese style of filmmaking. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with that. You're just, you're used to certain things. If you don't dig it, you don't dig it. It is what it is. But, you know, some of the other movies, by the way, can I talk about, he, he mentioned the first time Videodrome and Shocker have ever been put together. Do you know what Shocker is? I have not seen that one. Shocker is Wes Craven's other attempt to make a Freddy Krueger. Oh. Yes. He made a movie where Peter Berg is the hero and Mitch Pileggi, who is the boss from the X-Files. Uh-huh. You know him? He was the Shocker. And he was like an inmate that they gave the electric chair, but they put so much electricity in him. He didn't die. He just went into the TV. Okay. <laughs> it's, it's a real movie. I swear. I swear. And yeah, that's what happens. He could come and get you through the TV. And this was his attempt to make a new Freddy Krueger because he had seen how Freddy was kind of cheesy now. It's like, oh, that's what people want. And so he made Shocker and it was a disaster. I don't think it's a disaster. I love it. The Ring got a 4.2 on user reviews, 71% on Rotten Tomatoes. Ooh. <laughs> we don't need a user review of The Ring when we have a review from the greatest critic who ever lived. And the year 2002, Roger Ebert was very much alive. But Gene Siskel was not. Actually, I don't know how Richard Rober felt about the film. I was actually unable to find the YouTube video of, of him reviewing The Ring. I can find him reviewing Karina Karina, but I can't find him reviewing The Ring. I don't understand this. But as you might have guessed, as Ebert often hated horror movies, he wasn't enamored with The Ring. I don't know if he ever saw Ringu, but he wasn't enamored with this film. Yeah, that was my fact. Roger Ebert says, Rarely has a more serious effort produced a less serious result than in The Ring. The kind of dread, dark horror film where you better hope nobody in the audience snickers because the film teeters right on the edge of the ridiculous. Enormous craft has been put into the movie, which looks just great. But the story goes beyond contrivance into the dizzy realms of the absurd. And although there is no way for everything to be explained, the many events lack any possible explanation. The movie's ending explains and explains and explains until finally you'd rather just have it pass than sit through one more tedious flashback. The story involves a video that brings certain death. You look at it, the phone rings, and you find out you have seven days to live. A prologue shows some teenage victims of the dread curse. Then the newspaper reporter, Rachel Keller, played by Naomi Watts, gets on the case, helped by eerie drawings by her son, Aiden, David Dorfman. The story has been recycled from a popular Japanese thriller by Hideo Nakata, which was held off the market in this country to clear the field for this remake. Alas, the same idea was ripped off in August by Fear.com, also a bad movie. But more plain fun than The Ring, and with a climax that used brilliant visual effects, while this one drags on endlessly. I don't know if I've ever heard anybody compare fear.com to anything favorably. And I haven't seen it in years. Back to Ebert. I dare not reveal too much of the story, but I will say that the video does indeed bring death in a week. Something we are reminded of as Rachel tries to solve the case while titles tick off the days. A single mom, she enlists Aiden's father, a video geek named Noah, played by Martin Henderson, to analyze the deadly tape. He tags along for the adventure, which inevitably leads to their learning to care for one another, I guess. Although the movie is not big on relationships. Her investigation leads her to a remote cottage, to an island, and to a weird hostile man, played by Brian Cox, who lives there. And then the explanations start piling up. 
This is Naomi Watts' first movie since Mulholland Drive, and I was going to complain that we essentially learn nothing about her character except that she's a newspaper reporter. And then I remembered that in Mulholland Drive, we essentially learned nothing except that she was a small-town girl in Hollywood. And by the end of the movie, we weren't even sure we had learned that. Mulholland Drive, however, evoked juicy emotions and the dimensions of the ring is completely lacking and involved us in a puzzle that was intriguing instead of simply tedious. Two stars. Nope. I don't necessarily agree. He really disliked the movie. I, I have some issues, but I mean, he had general issues, I think, with the idea of the video ghosts and everything like that and just yeah. how the plot was done. I think some of the cheesier things that I mentioned, he wasn't able to appreciate in, at all. So. I wonder if he'd seen the original. I doubt it. Yeah. He kind of hinted that from the way his review was worded there, that he probably wanted to see it. And somebody in the studio was like, you can't see it. Huh. Because we only want people to see it. That's why I said I saw it on a video CD. I was not supposed to see it. It's the movie I wasn't supposed to see. That was Faces of Fear. All right. That, that's that. That's that. We have talked about The Ring, and this is uh, another two-parter, ladies and gentlemen. So next week, we will be covering Rings, which is the requel to this movie. Yep. And as I said before, I thought Rings was going to be the worst movie we ever covered, but The Grudge 2020 is going to be a low bar for that some bitch to limbo under. So we'll see if it's able to do it or not. Yeah, that's probably the worst movie. Yeah, it's yeah. the worst rated movie. Yeah, and it's why I mentioned earlier about Samara when she's taken away from there and they're going to put her body at rest. Did they? We'll find out in rings, I guess. I don't know. And then we're going to do Sadako versus... Um, Kayako. Kayako. The Grudge versus The Ring. We're going to talk about that Japanese movie. This is their, their Freddy versus Jason, if you will. We like to do two movies on each show, so we'll do that one. Yeah. But that's the plan. So um, that's pretty much it. Meredith, what are your socials? I don't have any. That's right. Fuck social media. But if you do want to get a hold of us by some chance, you could email us at grittyrebootcast@gmail.com, or you can simply look for Gritty Reboot on Instagram or on TikTok. And that's the easiest way to get a hold of us. Yeah. Like, subscribe, do all that jazz. Leave us a review, even if it's negative, yeah. guys. We just love to hear from you. Send us a question or anything you might want. So Yeah. Or request a movie. Yeah. Tell us about the first time you ever saw The Ring. Yeah. Tell us that. Do you need a kidney? I, I got two. <laughs> you need a liver? I can live with just one of those, right? No. Oh, okay. I can, maybe half of one. I think you can. Yeah, you can. You can't live that one. Yeah. yeah. More you know. Yeah. Right. We established that. Yeah, all right. All right. Well, Bye, guys. Yeah, don't watch any haunted videotapes. <laughs>